Hello and welcome to our Ackerman Center podcast, where we'll explore Holocaust-related topics during the time of our new virtual reality. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Valente, Visiting Assistant Professor of Holocaust Studies at the University of Texas at Dallas. My guest today is Dr. Niels Romer. He is Interim Dean of the University's School of Arts and Humanities, the Stan and Barbara Rabin Professor of Holocaust Studies, and the Director of the Ackerman Center for Holocaust Studies. Hi, Dr. Romer. Hi, Dr. Valente. Good to see you here again. Good to see you as well. I wanted us this week to focus our podcast episode on the current state of things. This week, we have seen very distressing things happening in the United States. And I think that we ought to use this platform to address the current moment. And so I thought that a perfect way for us to engage with this would be for us to be reading and reflecting on the words of Rabbi Dr. Joachim Prince. I speak to you as an American Jew. As Americans, we share the profound concern of millions of people about the shame and disgrace of inequality and injustice, which makes a mockery of the great American idea. I would like to ask you to start us off by talking a little bit about Prince's biography and in how he comes to be this civil rights leader in the United States later on in the 50s and 60s. So just very briefly put, Joachim Prince was uh, born in Germany in 1902 in a smaller upper Silesian, so it's on the eastern sides of Germany. His family background is kind of standard, more or less, of German Jews. So there's a kind of religious element, but also fairly assimilated. Uh, he himself joins, like many of that generation, um, out of more rebellious move toward their parent generation, a Zionist organization in 1917, mm -hmm. as many famous German Jews will do, Walter Benjamin, Gershom Scholem, virtually all of them line up around that time. It's a, more than anything a rebellion really against what they've inherited. Kafka mm -hmm. uh, would be another one that we could think of um, coming from the Czech Republic. And then he does something that also quite many do, and I think, um, that to this day I always admire these choices of, of, of that they eventually make. Prince uh, earns a PhD in, PhD in philosophy with a minor in art history. Fantastic. And then he will be ordained um, shortly thereafter in the Jewish Theological Seminary. So this idea that religion, philosophy, art, aesthetics, that all of that together informs one's own worldview, I think is sometimes something that nowadays we find harder to do because we compartmentalize so many things. Exactly. But getting us closer to where we possibly want to be, uh, Prince becomes a very noticeable voice in, in Berlin's Jewish community, experiences the rise of, of Hitler coming to power in 1933, and then becomes very early on one of the, the warning kind of voices that this really spells out danger. Mm -hmm. And um, travels in 35, 36, for the first time to, to the United States, like many, mm -hmm. and writes about how it's different from Nazi Germany, which in our minds, we think obviously, right. obviously, but we have to remember 
the prince still didn't know what was going to come. Exactly. So that comparison is in therefore more measured. But interestingly enough, even though he sees the United States as a safe haven for many German Jewish refugees and welcomes that opportunity, even at that moment, he's fully aware of the existing racism. Exactly. And is really un uneasy um, about this, even at this point when really in comparison, we would say, yeah, okay, f escaping Nazi Germany mm -hmm. versus the United States, what's there to worry? But nonetheless, even at that point, um, he's, he's really mindful um, of, of that and comments on this mm -hmm. and things and says, for we as Jews, exactly. for we as Jews, we cannot like, deal with that in that manner. And I think it's really important also to point out that at that first moment that he comes, um, he has this very transformative experience in Harlem. And sometimes we forget this during this time that he's here, Jim Crow laws were the law of the land as well, right? So he right away sees the segregation. He sees that schools are segregated, transportation is segregated. So I think it's a very stark reality for him coming from Germany and seeing the political rhetoric of the rise of the, of the Hitler regime. In many ways, he sees here this very institutionalized system that is based on race. So I think this is a really important point that, you know, he sees it because it's in fact what is happening. And I think you're absolutely right. But you also, you know, for him, whatever he would have noticed in the 30s would have also made him, you know, realize how race is mapped onto class or cl yeah. how class in lots of ways informs again racial differences. And I think that's again, you know, also we started out thinking about today where we see social inequality yeah. uh, being also one of the driving forces between, behind much of the unease and unhappiness these days around the world with their respective societies. Right. And I think that's Prince, what he would have experienced coming out of the Weimar Republic, mm -hmm. social economic crisis, how they map onto political radicalizations. Actually, that's a really good point that you mentioned about social inequality. I had a quote that I was going to bring in later on. And of course, you know, we're talking about Prince, but there's also very famously um, Abraham Joshua Herschel, who right. was another very important voice um, during the civil rights movement. You know, the first time that he actually met with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, was at this conference in Chicago that took place, I believe, in 1963. And it was, a, it was a religious conference. It was religion and race, and it had been hosted by the National Conference of Christians and Jews. And during this conference, you know, he, he gives this speech where he says something, and I'll quote here. He says, we worry more about the purity of dogma than about the integrity of love. And then he continues saying, what is lacking in society is a sense of the monstrosity of inequality. So he, you know, harpers on this idea of the monstrosity of inequality in all of the different issues that stem from this. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you know, racism is the test of our integrity. And he, of course, being a very uh, religious voice, you know, he said, this is the test of one's spirituality, that showing reverence to God doesn't mean anything if you're not able to show reverence to man. And so, you know, of course, he's bringing into this more religious vein. But nonetheless, I think both him and Prince are really aware of the of the idea that is behind a lot of this racism that they're seeing at that time in the 50s and 60s in the U.S. that go back to that social inequality as well. I think you're, you're absolutely right. There are lots of ways, both for princes as well as for Heschel. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, not just simply their experience of Nazism, but also their 
their religiosity that powers their political orientation in most of these cases. And I think that's, you know, what propels Princeton in particular in, in the 50s and early 60s to advocate, um, like many other mm -hmm. German Jews and other Jewish refugees who've come um, away from Nazism to the States, we end up on the side of, of the advocates for the civil rights. And Prince is clearly at the forefront, so much so that he, you know, and this forever to this day will be associated with this name. He will be the one who will speak right before Martin Luther King will give his famous speech, I Have a Dream. So that's, you know, how you could kind of see how elevated that he was, that he even beat out Bob Dylan, who would come later in the program. So mm -hmm. that, you know, lots of ways tells you something. But what I think is, you know, we can listen to one of the bigger quotes from, from his speech. I think he makes a really powerful point here. So let's take a listen. When I was the rabbi of the Jewish community in Berlin under the Hitler regime, I learned many things. The most important thing that I learned in my life and under those tragic circumstances is that bigotry and hatred are not the most urgent problems. The most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful and the most tragic problem is silence. So I think, you know, again, coming back to what our subject matter is, the Holocaust, we, we often, you know, say that the Holocaust is not like other historical events, but one from which we are compelled to learn. Mm -hmm. And then the question is always, what do we learn? Exactly. And then, you know, we often fall into this never again. But I think we make often the mistake that we, we, we don't quite realize that the biggest lesson that we, we have to learn from this is quite nicely articulated here, not ever to be silent. Mm -hmm. the, the issue is not so much always that there's a one perfect way for us to answer any kind of particular moment. Mm -hmm. But I think the wrong answer would always be the one to be silent and to be um, just simply an onlooker. And I think Prince again coming you know, out of the, the tumultuous 20th century understands probably far better than our generation does right now that democracy does not come like the summer. It's not built in, into the season. It's something that we all have to work for. And we, the way we work for democracy and for equality is that we're not onlookers, that we're not silent, and that we don't take it for granted. And I think that's what he articulates for me so well in this moment where he says, we will not be silent. America will not be mm -hmm. onlookers. America... America must not become a nation of onlookers. America must not remain silent, not merely black America, but all of America. It must speak up and act from the president down to the humblest of us, not for the sake of the black community, but for the sake of the image, the dream, the idea, and the aspiration, aspiration of, America of America itself. itself. 
I think for a lot of the refugees that came, this idea of liberty, that they were finally in a free place, and then realizing that there are these very um, inherent issues in this new country, right? That it was not a matter of coming to the U.S. and simply embracing this ideal and all of the great things that it stood for, but also embracing that history as well. It's almost like a duty for him to embrace that other part. I think it's really for all of us to listen to the words here and really take it to heart, especially in a time like this, where there is so much divisiveness and and it's a very difficult moment. You know, there are very structural issues that are contributing to this continuous inequality within our society that these words really ring true, you know. And I think another thing that I really appreciate about Prince is just how revolutionary he's, he was for his time. So, for example, he was he became the president of AJC, the American Jewish uh, Congress, in 1958. And it was during that first convention that he actually invited Martin Luther King to be the keynote speaker for that event. And I think that this was actually the first time that Martin Luther King had crossed the Mason-Dixon line to address uh, a white population. Mm. And so there's also this very, you know, from his very first the very first action that he took, we could say, as president of that organization was to show that there was this connection. And this was also the fight of his community. So and I think from that moment, we know that from his letters and his writings, he was so involved with pushing for legislation, pushing for, you know, integration of schools, things that today we take for granted. But, you know, this was during that time, too. So I think we have to look to that moment and see that kind of collaboration between these different groups. And we can really learn a lot from not being silent in a moment like what we're living in today. I think, um, you know, again, for Prince, I think that it would have been utterly foreign to parcel this out mm-hmm. and to advocate for Jewish rights and for civil rights here. Uh-huh. For him, you know, well, nowadays, right. we, we, when we, you know, in our jargon, we talk about systemic racism. And in many ways, that would have been his view, mm-hmm. that in lots of ways, the one cannot be separated out from the other. Exactly. And I, I think also, you know, in the, the concluding parts of his speech, when he says, the time, I believe, has come to work together, for it's not enough to hope together, is also, and this is for each one of us, you know, maybe we are, you know, at, you know, really also at that moment, that we have to think, you know, what people now sometimes say, are we going to be good ancestors? In other words, uh, yes. the next generation, I have, you know, as, as you know, a couple of kids, are they going to look back at us and, 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 you know, and think, wow, that generation really, you know, made a difference. Exactly. So are we going to be good ancestors for the coming generations? And I think that pr- presumably would have been always at the forefront of someone like Prince, who in lots of ways, I mean, if you were born in 1902, I mean, you know, he was born right into trouble and, and mayhem. Exactly. Um, the very first thing that marks his childhood is the first world war then you have a revolution then you have economic distress uh, political upheaval mm-hmm. fascism coming to power. i mean you, you you know you think the the poor guy is like almost in the mid part of his life when when finally things are slowing down yeah. right after the second world yeah. war first 50 years of his life yes. he experiences turmoil only then however to quickly realize no you know, our vision has not been um, materialized, hasn't materialized yet. We have to continue to, to advocate for what we think is right. So I think that's, you know, the, 
understanding where one comes from and where one moves and what also one respectively one's place in, in time is. I, th I think that's, you know, what you feel very strongly when you look at mm -hmm. someone like that. And he draws on that. When I was a rabbi at the Jewish community in Berlin under the Hitler regime, I learned many things. Yes. I mean, that's very explicit um, in terms of what that means, what one what was to learn from there. Another thing that really stands out to me when I read his words and when I you know, study about his biography, and there's actually a really wonderful film that I want to bring up called Joachim Prince, I Shall Not Be Silent. It's available online and I highly recommend everyone to watch it. But what becomes really clear is that he used the platforms that he had first as a rabbi in Berlin, you know, very famously, he would give these speeches. He he was able to see what was coming before it actually came. So right away, he started to give sermons telling the German Jewish population to leave Germany before it was, mm -hmm. you know, um, the popular idea amongst other leaders at that time. So he was always using his platform to speak up for what he saw as the right thing for his community. And I think here is the same thing. You know, once he becomes the president of, of the American Jewish Congress, he uses that platform to really try and affect change um, at a governmental level, at a political level, at a social level. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a lesson to all of us in whatever ways we can impact change in our day-to-day -day lives, in whatever positions we hold in society. I think that's very true that, you know, we shouldn't mistake that quote about not being silent as something that only is, um, you know, available to, to the few exactly. elevated leaders in society. Exactly. It is right there for everyone. Everyone in, in their own ways has, and it's also an ongoing choice. I mean, that's the other thing that we have to really realize when we look back at Prince and his generation coming out of Nazi Germany. Whatever they experienced were ongoing choices. There was not like, am I silent exactly. or am I... And, and I speak out, it's a choice that they had to make every day, every moment. Mm -hmm. And so do we. Exactly. So thank you, Dr. Romer, for this wonderful conversation and reflection on the life and the words of Joachim Prince. And I hope that all of our listeners will enjoy this conversation and continue looking up more information about him. And we're also going to be posting a couple of links mm -hmm. to the speech. Definitely. So that everyone also has a chance to hear him. And we actually have a recording of that. And uh, that's quite powerful. And there's a lot of important things that we can learn from his life and in these lessons. So thank you for being here. Thank you again, Dr. Valente. And if our podcast will help to make him again a little bit more popular amongst our friends, then I think we will have most certainly accomplished something really uh, valuable here. Thank you very much for having me again. I agree. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Our fathers taught us thousands of years ago that when God created man, he created him as everybody's neighbor. Neighbor is not a geographic term. It is a moral concept. It means our collective responsibility for the preservation of man's dignity and integrity. The time, I believe, has come to work together, for it is not enough to hope together, and it is not enough to pray together, to work together, that, that this children's oath pronounced every morning 
from Maine to California, from north to south, that this oath will become a glorious, unshakable reality in a morally renewed and united America. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can read the transcript and listen to Rabbi Joachim Prince's full speech at the March on Washington in 1963 on the Jewish Women's Archive by searching for his name on their website at jwa.org. You can find us on our website at utdallas.edu forward slash Ackerman. And be sure to follow us on social media at facebook.com forward slash Ackerman Center and on our Instagram page at Holocaust Podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Today's episode was produced, edited, and engineered by Sarah Valente.